Thank you, beautiful people. Well done. Well done. The thing about worship um, is that if you let it, it kicks open the door of heaven for you to enter in. It doesn't do the entering in for you because it can't. Only you can do that. Sometimes we stand back and we think, oh no, it's not for me. It doesn't feel right this morning. It's not quick enough. It's too... It's, it's not slow enough, it's not loud enough, it's the wrong song, I don't know the words. And all the things that come with having a team of worshippers who put themselves before us and kick down the barriers that stop us from entering into heaven. And this morning, you know, sometimes I know a lot of us would think that it's only when Andrew's around that worship's great. Well, for me, worship was great this morning. And I just want to thank each and every one of you for your hearts, for your diligence. They were here when I got here and I was early this morning. So, um, you know, if you get a chance, give them a hug, give them a pat on the back. Let them know we appreciate them. And for those who've stepped up this morning and done something they wouldn't, we wouldn't normally see them do, um, you know, sometimes it gets a bit big sitting up here in front of other people and doing what you do at home so comfortably. And when you're normally singing and now we're sitting in the background playing the piano, um, well done. Well done to each and every one of you. And um, thank you for kicking down the door for me this morning. It opened a way for each and every one of us, I believe. But it's... It is where we need it to be because we need to be there. I had a feeling this morning when I was, when I was um, pretty much when I was walking down the street, but as I entered the building this morning, one of those scriptures that, that stands out for me, it's one of, <clears throat> one of those scriptures I learnt for myself really early on in life. I, Isaiah 6.6 6. Uh, sorry, if we go on to 6 8. I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, Here I am, send me. And he said, Go, tell this people. He was talking to Isaiah, Isaiah was talking to God. This morning, I was there as I was walking down the street. I was thinking of Andrew and Mel as they go, they go out with our hearts within them. They don't go on their own. They go because we've prayed them into it. They are covered by our prayer, and they are doing the bidding of God within them. Who will go for us? Andrew said, "Here I am." And some years ago. 17 of them, 18 of them in fact. I said the same thing. Except I've got a whole different word for it, you see. I go, pick me, pick me, pick me. Because we all feel not worthy and we're all the little fat kid in the playground sitting up the back going, I don't know whether this is for me. Every part of it, every step of it, every word that's prayed, every word in this book is for you. 
every day, every step of the way. And as we go this morning, I was really disappointed last week when Mark started preaching. Because about the first 15 minutes I had written down at home on a piece of paper. And I thought, how dare he? He's come and he's pinched me. This is what happens when we all get in the place of God. Father, this morning I come before you and I stand before these people. And I bring your word. Your word that's been engraved on my heart for this day. Lord, I ask that it touch every heart, that it clear every thought pattern. And Lord, that people go from here changed because of your impact in their lives. I pray that in the mighty name of Jesus. Good morning, all. I, was, I, was, I really did enjoy last week and the week before. But Pastor Andrew spoke a couple of weeks ago on the power of testimony. Am I allowed, um, Steve, or is it just me? Well, it seems, to, I don't know, it's, it's probably just me. I haven't been up here for a while. <laughs> See what you think. Um, Pastor Andrew spoke on the power of testimony. And Andrew declared that testimony is the power of the gospel at work. That's the power of gospel at work in us. But he used Revelation 12, 11. But before, just before I read that, I'm gonna, I titled my sermon this morning, Loving Jesus. And all week I've been thinking, Loving Jesus or Loving Jesus? You pick it this morning. Is he a loving Jesus or are you loving Jesus? Or is it both or is there some intertwining of the two? So you, as we go through this this morning, find a place for you. Find a place that works. Revelation twelve eleven says in the New King James, it says, And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives to the death. And a question for you this morning is, who did they overcome? Who does the word of your testimony overcome? It overcomes the accuser of our brethren, for he has been cast down. And that's written in Revelation 12.10. See, the word of your testimony is strong and powerful if you use it. I use mine whenever I can. Because it's important. It's important to me, but it's important that I tell the devil he's had another smack in the face today. Because I am not the man I was yesterday. Because my God has changed me. And whilst I continue to use the steps that he's laid out before me, I can become what he wants of me. Then last week, Pastor Mark shared, Are you the spirit? Are you the Messiah we've been expecting? Well, it took him a while to get to that title, but I thought, what a brilliant, what a brilliant title. If you've got a chance, if you've got option, if you've got a facility to listen to it online, have a listen. If you didn't hear it, have a listen. It's well worth taking the time to have a listen. It was a brilliant sermon. But he talked where John the Baptist sent his disciples to ask Jesus 
Are you the coming one or do we look for another? And that's in Matthew eleven three and 4. And Jesus answered and said to them, Go, tell John the things which you see and hear. Well, hear and see, it says in New King James. <coughs> we sometimes forget about the things that we see and hear. You know? But are you the coming one or do we look for another? Now, John would have known the scriptures, the scriptures of old, the scriptures of the Old Testament, the scriptures telling of a soon-coming king. Are you the one or do we wait for somebody else? And the scriptures would have explained really clearly that they would see and they would hear in their spirit and in their natural being the miracles of the working God in their lives. And that's what they were to go and tell John the Baptist. Mark then went on and talked about having had head knowledge until he had an encounter with God which introduced the Holy Spirit to him. And that's a complete change of being. When you're introduced to Holy Spirit, it's, um, it's a complete change in who you are. But he went on, I made a note of this last week. Mark said that our belief would be challenged and possibly erased. When he said it the first time, I missed it because my, hearing, my industrial deafness kicks in sometimes and, and I, I miss little bits. But he dropped his voice when he said erased and I missed it the first time, but I got it the second time. But both of those sermons, both Andrew's sermon on on testimony and Mark's testimony on Are You the Coming One, challenged me to go and look. But both of the sermons and many before them should have challenged us all to ask questions of ourselves in light of the exposed truth within them. We need to sometimes just take away from here the things we've written down. A lot of us make notes. A lot of us... You know, I've still got, I still write it in a notepad. Um, others of us use our phones and we write things down and we, we grab a scripture that we think we want and we talk to the bloke on the end of the aisle and all that stuff. Because then it makes us look like you're using our phone a lot, doesn't it? <laughs> Talking of which I should turn mine off. Somebody might ring me. And we can't have that. Today I'm going to ask you, what does God look like to you? How does Jesus sit in your thinking? For some of us, we need to have examples of things before it can be real in our lives. Some of us learn by reading, some by hearing, and some by doing. And as one of those who knows that life is just a leap of faith, spread your arms and hold your breath and always trust your cape. It's the chorus to a song that I love and appreciate. It's written by a bloke named Guy Clark. Um, if you get a chance to have a listen to that, it's called Always Trust Your Cape um, by Guy Clark. Um, he's an American, I guess you'd call him a country singer. He's old now. He's probably nearly as old as me. But always trust your cape. These words are the chorus. 
but they remind me that life is just a leap of faith. To believe in the unseen, to be held on, to be held by the one who isn't there, or is he? To trust the one you've heard of and to believe in the one who has the answers, you must first know what he stands for. For yourself, you've got to know this. What does Jesus stand for? Who is he? What's his character? And what does he say? And there's only one way to do it, read the word. So you get one of these battered up things. It starts out really pristine. And um, (laughs) I used to say to my church when I was preaching that um, I knew where I spent most of my time because if I hold it up the right way, Matthew drops out on the ground. (laughs) So I obviously spend a lot of time in and around Matthew because that that bit of the binding is let go and he just drops out on the floor. But, you know, having a battered and bruised Bible says to a lot of people that I spend time in it. And if you ask me, I don't spend enough. But this is where I learn about Jesus. I learn about who he is for me. And you can learn about who he is for you. If we're going to trust him, we've got to know him. You see, I know Liam. I know him really well. I know him so well, I struggle to remember his surname. I don't know his birthday. I don't know what colour of car he drives. So how well do I know him? But I do know him and I treat him like a son and I will eat his food because he's good at what he does. He's a chef, by the way. I know Barry. I can remember Barry's birthday because we eat on Barry's birthday and that's happened for the last couple of years that we just eat on Barry's birthdays. Not that I don't eat any other time, you can tell that, but... How well do we know each other? And yet we have this desire to know Jesus and we won't accept that somebody told us he was a good person. We've got to read about it because we've got to read the greatness of him, not just the goodness of him. We've got to read the miracle of him, not just that he's a nice guy. And if he's going to live within, he's got to be more than a friend. John 3, verse 14 to 17. And Moses lifted up the servant, serpent, serpent in the wilderness. Even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. I look around here today, and there's a lot of people in here who would call themselves Christians. And yet some of us struggle with that. Struggle with what it says. We misinterpret bits of it. We leave out bits of it. And yet we expect those of us that are privileged to stand here before you, we expect that you're going to go to your mates and your your family and tell them all about this great Jesus that you know and we misinterpret this because we've misinterpreted this. 
We need to read it. It needs to sit in us. It needs to become part of us, so much so that every word that we repeat is what we read and what we heard from Jesus, not what we thought it was. Because if we have a misunderstanding, one of the first things that misunderstand can be a misunderstanding for people that are new to Christ, for people who are still searching, for people who've never heard about him, if we start talking about Moses, their first question is, who's Moses? And it's written in the book of John. Well, where do I find the book of John? Do I go to the library for the book of John? No, it's just a book in the book. It's all inspired by the Christ that he's talking about, but we've got to know it. We need to know it. We need to make an, an understanding, a step of faith for us. And always trust your cape. For years when I started preaching, and this, as I read through this this morning, I was reminded of a very dear friend of mine. He's a senior pastor in Queensland. He's been a senior pastor for... nearly 35 years I suppose Um, he was for some time the um, head of a movement in Queensland um, Australia Wide Movement Christian Outreach Centre which is now International Network of Churches which is where I was born again but he the very first time he preached he preached on John because the pastor had asked him to preach on John. So he spent 35 minutes talking about John the Baptist when he should have been talking about John the disciple. But he had no idea they were different people because he was a very new Christian. He had a burning power for God and God had said, I need you to preach. Everybody could see it in Mark. Everybody knew that he was going to be the man to preach. But when he got up, he got it wrong. Did it matter? Well, not to those who know the word because they just, they interpreted it for him. But to those who were sitting around who didn't yet know the word, who weren't fully exposed to it, it was a bit of a challenge that the man standing here had got it wrong. Well, I got it wrong. It was a reminder that I got it wrong a lot. When I was first preaching, I used to quote quite a lot that Psalm said, Ask of me and I will give you the desires of your heart. And I would tell those listening that Jesus was the one who gave me the desires, so I was effectively asking for what I already had. Now I know this to be true. I actually know it, that that's what we're supposed to do. Thank him for what we've already got and ask him for a bit more. We do ask for what we already have, but my reference was wrong. Therefore, possibly misguiding. Because when I finally went back to Psalms to find it, I can't. Because it's not there. But in Psalm 2.8 it says, Ask of me and I will give you the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. It basically says the same thing. It's just not what it says. And so if I get up here and I tell you the wrong scripture or I quote the wrong things, it makes it really hard for those who are trying to learn the stuff of God. So learn the stuff of God. (laughs) Uh. You know, if we just 
if we just tell people about what's in here, that's great. That is absolutely amazing. You know, I remember, I remember when I first met Adria and when I first, I first got to that, that place where I knew that she was going to be the one for me forever. And we weren't married at the time, strangely. You come to that place of knowing long before you get married, long before you make those arrangements. And she'd gone to be with her sister in Albury. So I figured Albury wasn't such a big place, so I jumped on a plane and went to Albury. And I followed her. When I got to Albury, I realised she didn't actually live in Albury. Her sister didn't live in Albury. She lived somewhere near it. So I rang the phone number of the house and um, the brother-in-law came and picked me up. But I was willing to do the things it took to chase her so that I could gain her favour. What are we willing to do with Jesus? Do we chase him and gain his favour? Or do we sit back and say, it'll be all right, somebody will pray for me? Do we tell people about it? I mean, when we came back, when we came back from Albury, I knew I'd won her heart. And I told everybody about this wonder, this awesome woman that I'd found. Now, the people that I was talk, talking to mostly knew her because we were friends of people we worked with all knew us. But I just gushed all over them. And the Monday morning after the Sunday that I gave my life to the Lord, the people that I worked with in Queensland, they got gushed all over with Jesus. And towards the things that I told them about the greatness of God, even in that, that time, was the things he'd done for me in the immediacy of what it was. So I told everybody about him. And it should be the same for you. It should be that we're gushing with the Jesus that is in us. But what's it feel like to you? What's it look like to you? Sometimes it, it can't look like that. Crystal's our newlywed, and she can tell us what it looks like to love and to be loved. But does it feel the same for you when you love Chris as what it does when you love Jesus? And that's... That's the question. People want to know, like, what do you mean you love Jesus? You, like, we tell people that if we know enough of this, others will see Jesus in us. So we don't have to look round for him because he's here. But if we're not showing him the right part, if we're not demonstrating the fullness of who he is, what do they see? I'm being quite confronting this morning because I want you to think about it. I want you to think about what it is that you show people. What do I show people? I mean, whenever I come in here, you all see the same person. Except for last year when I was feeling really low and you heard all my grumps and grumbles all the time. <laughs> We're all the same. We're all people. But sometimes others need to hear what we see. 
What's it look like? What's it feel like? You know, my very first prayer, my very, very first prayer, Lord, I want to be close enough I can smell your sweat. Can't be like that. God doesn't sweat. What are you talking about? He's above all that. Well, sorry, my God sweats because he's in me. And it's pouring out of me now, so it's got to be pouring out of him somewhere. But what's it look like when he sweats? He doesn't sweat because he's concerned about you. He, can, he sweats because he's going, when will you learn? Go back in here and learn some more. No more. No more. Understand him. Fully understand him. Know more. Understand more. Know who it is that you're talking about. Know who it is that you're leaning on. Know who it is that you're asking for healing. And people continually tell me, they continually tell me, that we should hammer at the door of heaven Almost pester him without. You know, there was the, there's a woman in the, described in the Bible where she persists, persists until she finally gets what she's desiring. We've got to persist. But it doesn't mean that we've got to ask God every day or spend every minute of our time in prayer. Because the night I heard this, my immediate thought when I heard it, wasn't to ask God or to thank God or to please God take away the pain. It was to find somewhere where I could sit down because was, I was in pain. But once I got myself in a place where I could breathe again, I said, this is yours, Lord. Only you can do this. Now, I probably prayed five, six times in that time for this shoulder, for myself. I know Adria prays most days. And I know other people who pray. But my shoulder's healed. That's what I'm claiming. I'm claiming my shoulder is healed. We're going to find out tomorrow. Because if he tells me it's healed, that'll be great. Because I really don't want an operation. And if God's healed it, fantastic. I'm on. But if it means I've got to have an operation for that to be completed, then that's what will be happening. But he set it up. Right now, I was talking to Barry on the phone the other day. Barry's got a very similar injury. If you notice this morning, Barry had the microphone here. That's because he can't lift it up any higher. It's because sh- that shoulder's gone. I can still lift my hand over my head. He says, I got the pain. He hasn't got any pain. I, I tried the swap, but he wouldn't be in it. <coughs> But we've just got to know what it is that we're, 
we're telling others about loving Jesus. Just five and six young men, thank you. In John 14, verses 5 and 6, Thomas says to Jesus, Lord, we do not know where you are going and how can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus was saying to us, for us to, to, truly, to truly know the way to God, we've got to first understand who Jesus is and have, let him have life in us as we have life in him. You see, it's here that Jesus Christ tells us the future, explaining to the disciples of his coming death and resurrection, but preparing the way for them and us to release our fears and step boldly into his life, one he's prepared with him. You are loved as I, by the King of kings and Lord of lords. There is no fear in his presence. There's only light. John 8, 12 says, Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. And every time I've read that, every time I've quoted that scripture to somebody, They've all asked me, what are you talking about darkness? What do you mean? You're just talking about sin. Well, no, I'm not talking about sin. I'm talking about darkness, where you can't see where it is that you're going, where you can't feel where it is that you're going, that you don't know the way. I worked with a bloke in Melbourne years ago, and um, he was telling us he was driving home in the fog one night, and it was so foggy in Melbourne, back in the... (laughs) Back in the um, 60s and early 70s, it used to get really foggy in Melbourne. Like really, real. some of the suburbs would get just inundated with fog. So he was driving behind the bloke in front of him. I don't know, when he was telling the story, I was thinking, where did you think he was taking you? But he followed this bloke all the way into his driveway. <laughs> they were in the wrong street, wasn't far away from home, but he'd followed him because he thought, if I stay behind him, we're not going to hit anything. But he could, all he could see was the taillights. Well, if, we can, if all we can see of Jesus is his taillights, it's enough. But get him inside you. Let him live within you. Let, let, let others know of the presence of him in you because of what you, what you wear, how you show it, how you describe it. What does it mean for you to walk in the light and not in the darkness? You have freedom. You have freedom. Freedom of choice, freedom of love, of dignity and of life. We all have a choice to either walk in darkness, in fear of what might happen in our lives, or to walk in freedom, knowing the true love of Jesus in our lives. And for our lives. And if we don't know it, start to know it. Read the scriptures. Read Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. Read James. 
Read Peter. Read the books. Involve yourself in it. Let it become part of you. I'm using a lot of scriptures from John this morning because John's the one who declared his love for Jesus. And the world today declares that Jesus showed his love for John by allowing him to put his head on his breast. Mates do all sorts of strange things. They were mates. They were close. But John knew who Jesus was and Jesus knew who John was. And today I'm using a lot of John because John speaks of the love, declares his love. John 14, 11 to 13 says, Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me. Or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. Most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will also do. And greater works than these he will do. Because I go to my Father. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do. That the Father may be glorified in the Son. It's a great scripture. It has great truth. He says, believe in me. Believe me. And we go, oh, but I haven't seen it yet. I don't know. I don't know whether I can believe it. I haven't seen it. And I've only heard it from you and I don't know whether I trust you. We've only just met. How am I supposed to know? You'll be sitting there going, oh, there's that Trevor. He exaggerates a bit. We, we hear him. He talks about all sorts of things. He exaggerates a bit. This is no exaggeration. Believe him. And if you can't believe me, find somebody you can. Believe, believe the Jesus they tell you about until you can believe the Jesus I tell you about. And then you'll find they're the same thing. The same man. And if you can't believe that the Father's in him and he's in the Father, then believe him. Jesus, for the sake of the works themselves, the miracles, the outpourings of things that we never, ever thought were possible. Grace comes down here and paints. We all think it's marvellous. Isn't it great that grace comes and paints in this place? But it's not just here. It's all around the place, Laurie. <laughs> it's everywhere. She's been to a number of places overseas. She's having people actually ask her to go and paint now. There are other places in our country where people have never seen anybody paint in the spirit before. Does it make it wrong? No. Does it make it right? I don't know. Works for me. I love it. I see, the, I see the end results. You know, they're everywhere. But when she first started, when she, when she first started out, 
she needed more of this. Before she became the artist to the king, she needed more of this because she needed to develop in herself that which could be poured out onto a canvas that could create the images you see around here today. He who believes in me and the works that I do, he will do also. And we all sit back and say, I wonder when God's going to heal my shoulder. I can't do that. That's too big for me. You know, I've got a, I've got a copy of a, an x-ray at home and I've got an ultrasound result that says I've got a hole in my supraspinatus, which is the tendon that runs across the top of your shoulder and through the joint and down here in your bicep. And it says I can't do that. Okay? I might be able to do this, but I can't do that. And I definitely can't lift anything over my head. But I've never stopped lifting things over my head. I've changed how I do it because there's not as much strength here as there was. But I'm expecting tomorrow when I go to work that things will have changed. I'm expecting it for you. However it happens. You see, believe in what you know. Believe in the people you know. Believe in the people you hang around with. You know, there are people in here... Judy, my friend. Judy's been in pain for a long time. And we pray for her regularly. And we all gather around and we all have belief that she will be whole and well in Jesus' name. Not in ours. In Jesus' name. And sometimes she gets a little bit of relief and sometimes she doesn't. And you've never once not once stopped believing in him. There's been some doubt from time to time and we all challenge what we know because we go, what about me? It's not about you. It's about him. And he says, I'm here. I'm with you. And I will never leave you nor forsake you. Come hell or high water, we're together. We know a true living God. And if we care to take on the inheritance of what that means for us, if we take on the fullness of what it is for us, we can be all the things he's asked of us. John 14, 23. Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Love Jesus. Accept him into your heart. Accept him into your 
Sometimes we've got to accept him into our heads before we can accept him into our heart. I don't care how you get him in. Get him in. Open the door. Throw open wide the gates of your heart and let him in. And it's one of those questions. How do I do that? Hang around people who do. Talk about Jesus. Whatever you know about him. Talk about it. Talk about it with people who love and trust you. Talk about people who, with people who you love and trust. Talk about Jesus. And let him become known in your spirit. And the only way he can become known is to learn of him. There are people in this place who I've talked with over the last few weeks, months, who had, didn't really know about healing, didn't really know about a healing God, a loving Jesus, one who would come to us and, and present us with things. And yet, I speak with them, I share with them, I share the word of God with them and I tell them of those things and they go home feeling better than they came. But next week, because we don't hang around with people who hang around church, we get fed all the rubbish and it beats up on us and it's called darkness. Hang around people who hang around the one you want to know. The best analogy I can think of probably the only analogy I can think of is put it in the terms of a sporting team. Whatever sport it is that you do. can be chess. can be croquet. can be javelin throwing. I don't care. I don't, really don't care what it is. Because when we start to follow a particular sport, we read about things. Rob, a couple of years ago, Rob decided he was going to ride a bike from some faraway place to another faraway place via Ballarat. And it was going to take them five days. And I hadn't been on my bike for nearly two years and I was thinking, I know where that's going to hurt. And, but he didn't just jump on the bike and say, well, we're going tomorrow. He prepared. And he prepared and with the assistance of younger people, the bike got changed. And things on the bike got changed. Things that have happened in since I was riding the bike until now, which is for me is only about 20 years. Things on the bike changed. They changed the way they built bikes. Things changed. So then we started reading up on things like maps and foods and all the way, how we were going to do what we were going to do till Rob had a, learned how to ride a bike for five days without killing himself. That's what this is about. Feed yourself with this. Because when we get involved in sport, it becomes our life. It becomes a thing we do. When we get involved in painting like Grace does, it becomes our life. when we get involved, whatever it is that just lights the fire within us, we get involved, we become it. But first know the word. The only way to know it is to read it and let it sink in. doesn't matter whether you're a good reader or a bad reader. Read the Bible. 
when you read it, let it sink in, let it take hold of you, grab hold of you. It becomes you. Then repeat the word. Speak out about Jesus. But make sure you're speaking out of the truth. Repeat the actions. Do what they did. The heroes of the Bible, do what they did. They laid laid hands on the sick and they were made well. Lay hands on the sick and they will be well. Speak of the victory. Become more like Jesus. And don't feel it. Know it. Know it. The love of Jesus. This morning, the love of Jesus is in every one of you. Some of you think you've got a fair bit of it. Some of you think you've got a tiny little bit. What you've got is the love of Jesus. It's like the mustard seed. We've all got what we need to have. Know you've got the love of Jesus. He loves you, whether you love him or not. And if you're still in that place where you're still struggling to find a way to him, keep coming. Keep coming. There will be no obstacles that we will put before you. The world will put them before you because the world will challenge you every day. This morning, if you don't know the love of Jesus or you don't have a fullness of the love of Jesus, let's talk. Come up for prayer. Let us pray with you. Let us stand with you. It won't just be me. There'll be others here who can pray with you, stand with you, and declare those victories the same as I can. But know that the love of Jesus is above and beyond anything I can describe to you because it is the love of Jesus that enables us, that fulfills us, and that completes us. This morning, you've heard from a heart that loves Jesus and a heart that Jesus loves. I don't always get it right. Doesn't mean he stops loving me. He does correct me. He does show me where I've gone wrong. This morning, open wide the gates of your heart and let him come in. Let him fill you. Let him complete you. Let him be you. And as you go from this place today, know that he's going with you. A little bit more of him goes with you today than when you first walked in. Because he will go with you wherever you go for all of your days. You are loved, you are cherished. And in Jesus' name, we thank you. Amen. Thank you, people. Have a great day.